Hey, you Media family, before we jump into my conversation with Andrew Ambry about his incredible journey as a creative, I want to quickly mention our brand new course, How to Animate Logos and Icons in After Effects. Right now, this course is only $19.99, but not for long. The price will eventually go up to $67, so you definitely don't want to miss out on this deal. For more information, go to euchromedia.com slash all-courses. Again, euchromedia.com slash all-courses. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Andrew Embry. Enjoy. What's up, Ukramedia family? Vladimir Praknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 46 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve a Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Andrew Ambry. He's an Emmy nominated, award winning motion design director, producer, and editor at Yellow Lab Creative Studio. Andrew, welcome to the show. Feel free to fill in the gaps from the intro and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Hi, yeah. Uh, I guess two things that, well, one thing people don't know that I actually died twice. I had to be resuscitated twice. <laughs> wow. Out of body experiences and everything. No, I got I got to know the details, man. You tell me, tell me what you saw. Uh, so uh, the first time I was actually, what ended up happening was that I had like a really bad infection and uh, I was in intensive care and I flatlined and uh, I saw my mother laying on me, like beside me at the bed of the hospital and across from me was my grandmother and she was holding my hand, like my body's hand. And at the end of the bed was the whole, you know, the bright tunnel and I could see Jeez. family members. I could see other people down that tunnel and yeah. And I just looked at her right in the eye and she looked at me in the eye and uh, she told me, She's like, you know, I, you can either come with me or you can stay, Wow! but I really hope that you stay because you have something to give back. And, you know, it's, it's okay that if you want to come with me now, it's okay. Uh, it, it just will take a little longer, but I suggest to stay. Holy cow. I have chills just listening to that. Wow. So, yeah. And can you, is, was it, what was it like? I mean, was it like a dream or was it like just Real no, life. it was, yeah, it was just, um, it's, uh, so it's kind of strange that it's going to make, you can make a laugh at this. It's so in Dr. Strange, the, the Marvel movie, it's, uh, when he goes to that, that quantum or that kind of ethereal state when he's fighting that, that guy around his body, when he's about to flatline himself, um, it was very similar to that. Everything was kind of like a, a tritone with blue and, uh, it was wow. kind of like dark and blue, but, uh, everything that was kind of like a spirit was just like just like you and you or i uh like with a high fresnel so like very like specular like on the sides but it was uh just like real life but <laughs> but real life was actually like a like a, a tritone like a duotone saturated blue and that's just what it was were you scared uh i was terrified a little bit at first but it was like kind of like that warm sensation that you're just being you first when you first wake up you know when you first wake up and it's super warm and you're cozy in your blanket and you're just opening your eyes and you're like that warmth that you can't ever get back in the rest of the day that that it was that feeling i was just super warm i felt super loved up cuddled happy but also kind of like where was i what was happening wow. now why didn't you why did you not go through the tunnel or i mean I, i'm sure it was probably tempting because from what you described it looked like it's the place to be what what made you come back? Um, so this is where I guess I struggle as an individual, and this is something my father says to me all the time that uh, I I'm a fighter, and so the thing is like I I can't ever not back down. Like for me, it's always the the fight. Like a good fight is still the best place to be. You need to always be ready to go, always willing to be able to give your your best and going all the way. You know, very much like the Charles Bukowski poem. And to me, that's, that's the thing is like, I just, I can't give up when I know there's a fight to fight. So yeah, I just keep going. So what happened then? I'm curious. How did you get back to your body? Um, so she just told me to be able to like, she, I went, I walked over to her, I guess. And, uh, more so like kind of floated through the bed kind of thing. Like just walked through the bed and, uh, walked over to her and I gave her a hug and cried on her shoulder. I was 11 at this time. And I cried on her shoulder because she passed away when I was eight and I blamed myself for her death for, for about a decade because when I was a little boy, we used to go out and like suntan and swim every day together after school. And so I blamed my, myself for her death when she, like she had skin cancer from melanoma. 
Mm, so uh, I blamed myself for her death, and so I, just, I haven't seen her for three years at that time. She was my greatest inspira- inspiration for everything. And uh, yeah, she uh, I just hugged her, and she gave me a kiss on my forehead and, and told me, it's okay, I'm, I'm proud of you. And before I knew, I just opened my eyes, and I was just gasping for air. I was like... <gasps> And uh, I came back and uh, yeah, and then a couple of years later, I died again. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because you, it's interesting that you had a choice. You yeah. yourself made the decision to come back, so to speak. That's interesting that she said, look, you have a choice. You can stay. And because you have a mission, you still haven't completed that, whatever it is. Do you, do you believe that everyone has a mission on this earth to complete before they go? Um. I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. Uh, yeah, yeah I, really sincer- I really sincerely do. I really think that uh, everybody has something to give back. And the thing is that like, you know, very much like it's going to sound silly. Um, another movie, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. It's like uh, one of the first CGI, like full production movies. Just beautiful movie at the time. Still is really beautiful. Um, it's about Gaia and we are all like kind of emissaries of Gaia of the earth that we always have to give back to the earth and we were from the earth. And so we just, it's a, it's a cycle. It's a, you know, we were from home and this is our home and we always have to give back. And I think that's culturally, I think that's, you know, personally, um, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to, how do you want to attach or attack it? It's, it's about giving back and being present and, just having compassion and giving so everything. Wow. And so you said you saw other people and you said there were relatives, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. can you, do you know, did you know all of them? I did. There's a few that I didn't know, but looked familiar. It's kind of weird. Cause like I know that my, my whole family genealogy and like history for up to the 15th century. And wow, yeah, it was just kind of like, you could see kind of like, like glimpses like you know you could see the outlines of individuals and you could see like some some facial features and uh i could see some of my other grandparents that were also there did they say anything to you they just waved at me and uh yeah was what was okay i'm sorry I'm, i know this is about your <laughs> it's journey totally cool. but it's totally, it's totally this, cool. you don't I, I don't talk to you know a person who died and has something to share something this crazy every day you know so yeah. what what did they wear what, what I'm just curious, like, did they have like these white robes or did they have some uh, kind no, of No, it was just like, uh, like, it was just like their favorite clothing, like their favorite attire. Like that's what I'm doing today, wearing my favorite clothing because like I wanted to get like mentally in the mood to like talk to somebody and, you know, to share stuff. And at the end of the day, it's, it's almost like having an important meeting, you know, or going on an important date. Like for me, this is, this is no different. Like sharing your time and giving back is so important and i think it's one of those things that like i'm I'm absolutely blessed that i get to have that opportunity yeah now another question about this whole experience mike i gotta know now did they look younger than you remember them or were they the age that they pass i think that's where you could almost get into like the the real depths of this Mm, um for me they were they they were how i remembered them and like some of them like obviously like they they Obviously, we're representing themselves as the best that they could be, but obviously representing themselves in the best they could be for me, you know, and that's the thing is like, I, I remembered them as I remember them, as I remember all of my, my, my family has passed on, not as the last moments that I saw them. And that's the thing is that I think that's the kind of that mental, uh, that mental kind of hiccup is that that's what your mind goes to. And that's the whole kind of processes of how you perceive things, and that's that's kind of, I guess, to be a very essence of what a very essence of what we do of for animation and design. It's it's how we perceive and how we interact, and how, what we take away from those things. Interesting. Now let's move on to your second dying. I wonder yeah. How so that I was, I was, uh, I was in Scouts, and we were climbing a rock face. And at this time, it was just like there's nothing. Like this is back twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. We were climbing down just a, a rock face and it was about probably 30, 40 feet up. We didn't have any, any harness or gear. Cause like, we didn't think anything of it. Like it wasn't like a, a direct drop off, but it knew when it ended up happening was the rock shelf fell off. Like it chipped off, mm. like the entire shelf dislodged and there was about 10 of us and we all fell. And one of my friends got impaled with a rock right through his, he, he lost his kidney. Uh, oh, a couple of the friends man. lost, um, they broke their legs and their arms. Some one of them fractured a skull and, uh, Jeez. I, I died. <laughs> now, do you remember anything from that experience or was it not as um, vivid? 
Yeah, I just remember just like getting shook and being kind of like back into that plane, you know, like it was just like that overexposed opening my eyes and I was somewhere else. And this time I was like, you know, staring over a body of water. And I just remember like just just looking over at the water and just like being at a different time period in my life. And then before I knew it, it was like overexposed back into my body again. Huh. When you were looking at the water, was it somewhere somewhere here, or was it was it like somewhere in the different world, so to speak, um, like heavenly was, realms? Yeah, it was definitely it was still Earth. It was still very much home. But I think I was, I think I was in my my late thirties. You know, I, I had a wife, and uh, it was just like a, just a different time, a different maybe wow. maybe a different universe. Jeez, man, what a journey! Right? And I'm sure how, cool. how much, yeah, and how much did that affect your journey? Um, you know, knowing that you know, for example, age 11, having that near-death experience, knowing that you have a purpose on this, on this earth, in this life. Now, what do you think your purpose is? Were you? Did you give any thoughts to to what the, your grandpa, grandma told you? I think about it almost every day, to be honest. I think about it a lot because it's very much at the very essence of who I am. And it's always giving back, but also fighting for those who don't have a voice. And for me, that's that's my purpose. Like, honestly, it's not that I, like, you know, I, I, I definitely try to work with all the best talent I can. But I also remember that I wasn't always the best talent and I wasn't always the best. And... I and I still don't believe I am close to even being the best, but I believe that I have an opportunity with my name and the body of work I've been able to create. And for me to be able to give that back, that opportunity to somebody else, to somebody new and help mentor them and help grow them and help them become whatever they want to be. Man, and you know, as I love how you shared your near-death experience because I'm a huge, I love NDEs. Like I'm one of those people, I'm on Quora everywhere just searching for NDEs. I even told you off air how I, I reached out to the guy who was on Oprah who had like the That's most so crazy. near-death experience. Yeah. yeah, and I asked him if I can, you know, I, I think I asked him a question. I, I was in Columbus at the time. He lived in Cincinnati. And he's like, oh, I see you were in Columbus. Like, why don't you just come to my house and I'll tell you all about it. And so me, my wife, and my one-year-old at the time, I have two kids now, he's five now. He invited us over, I spent a day, I asked all the questions I could. So this is this is something I enjoy. I can spend all day talking about NDEs, but we probably should move on to your journey as a creative. So, and I, th- I think speaking of your, as a creative, like I think it's uh, interesting that your initials are AE I know, right? after effects. And I also learned that you have a, a keyframe tattoo on your arm. That's I do. Cool. Where did yeah. you get that? I got that maybe about four years ago. Um, it's on my elbow and my left elbow. And so I have a linear and I have a roving keyframe on my, my elbow. And then I have kind of like a timeline on the back of my left arm. Wow, man, that's pretty sweet. You're committed. You're definitely yeah. It's, you're definitely it's been in a, it to win it. The funny thing is, like I've since Aladdin. You know, like when Aladdin came out, and I remember, I just remember, like after my grandmother passed away, one of her uh, her last gifts to my family was was a big trip for us to go to Disney because I always wanted to be an artist. And she wanted me to see the animators, and so she she like when she passed away, that was part of her dying wish was to take some of her left her the money from her account and for my father and then to take take us the family to disney to be able to see the uh, the animators and i remember just walking down this hallway and looking at the animators being pressed against the glass and this is like the same time aladdin came out and i loved it like for me that was like the best thing i've ever seen in my life and (laughs) it still is one of those the best things that i've ever seen in my life and i've always wanted to be an animator my entire life and that's always been my dream Mm. You know, essentially, you mentioned earlier that you're you're a fighter, and yeah. I was reading through your blog. You wrote about your journey as a creative, and yeah, you totally. have a crazy work ethic. I mean, the stuff that you that you went through. I mean, you you truly were a starving artist at times. I mean, from what I'm oh, totally, reading. yeah. So let's start from the very beginning, man. Tell us how you got in, how you got started in motion design. So that's a weird story, I guess. It's kind of like back in 2000, well, after my grandmother passed away, I decided that, hey, like, you know, I, I, I don't want to do art anymore because like that was the really personal thing between the two of us. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. So I just started to eat my feelings. And I got extremely overweight and uh, I used to get play games just, to, I guess, to, to kind of escape from reality. And so 
I played games and games and games. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a game designer. So when I was 13, 14, my dad got me a book, like this, this box set that was like, build your own video game. And at this time it was like, I was like 14, 15, Half-Life was out. And I was like loving Half-Life. And the game came with the Half-Life world builder that where you could create and mod Half-Life essentially and make your own version of a game. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. And so in this book was like the step-by-step interviews from Brady Games. It was an incredible book. Like it was like the Bible of game design at the time. And at the back of the book was like this, this co- like, you know, the colleges and schools you can learn from, um, from North America that you can go pursue this journey. And I remember like looking at the schools and they're all on the West Coast. And I'm like, damn it. Like I can't go to the West <laughs> Coast. I can't afford it. My parents definitely couldn't afford it. And I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? And so I found this, this college that was on the East Coast and my family and I, we go to PEI, you know, once, once a year, maybe once every two years as a family, as like a family getaway, we'd get away for once, one, one week, once a year. And, uh, I was, I was very familiar with the East Coast and I was like, great, that's where I'm going to go. And so I reached out to all the college professors and all the instructors. And I was like, look, I want to go to your college. What do I need to do? And so I contacted them all and they all gave me tips and advice about programming and what, what should I read about and what should I pursue. And, uh, you know, fast forward two years, two and a half years, I graduated. I was about 16 and a half. I went to the college, graduated. And at this time I was about 17 and a half going on 18. And uh, I heard about this animation studio opening up. And at this time I graduated and I had to move back home to Ontario, which is about halfway across Canada from where this college was in New Brunswick or about two days driving and uh like full days <laughs> and uh <laughs> so i was uh, like i was away i had a girlfriend back in new brunswick at the time and i promised her that i was going to go back for the, her friends uh, her friend's uh wedding and i also heard because her cousin was dating this new account accountant that uh was opening an animation studio with her partner and i was like oh my god this is incredible like what and her her business partner at the time was Gene Fowler, and uh, he's moving back to Miramichi and opening up another a new animation studio called Fat Cat. And I was at home. I was home back in Ontario, learning all this information. I was like, "Oh my God! I met this guy at the job fair. What am I going to do? I don't know what to do." So I went out of my way. I was like, "You know what? I got to go do this. I got to do this now." And so I was working on a farm from about five in the morning till about six at night every day to save up money to be able to buy a train ticket to be able to go back to the East Coast. And that's, that was going to be my, 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 my shoe in. And I contacted my uh, ex-girlfriend's parents, my girlfriend's parents at the time. And I said, like, Hey, can, can I live there for three months? I will pay for my groceries. I will pay for my, my board. I'll do whatever I need to be able to have this opportunity happen. And they're like, you don't have to pay for like your room and board, but groceries would be great. We'd appreciate that. So I saved up everything I had and, uh, I told my dad my like a week away from this this entire thing kicking off. I told my dad what I was doing, and my dad's like, "Stop! I'm your father. Save your money, and like use that money when you need it. It's my job to enable you and to follow your passions. Are you going for a girl, or are you going to pursue a passion?" And I was like, "I'm going to pursue a passion. All right, save your stuff. I will drive you." So wow. my, uh, so I was able to save my money for the, from the, the train ticket, which was about $400 at the time. And that would have been about a month, almost a month worth of rent because New Brunswick was really cheap. And, uh, was almost a month's worth of rent. So about $600. And I was like, I can do this. So my dad drove me, we packed up my computer and I showed up and I walked in to be able to get a job interview. And the, he's just turned to me. He's like, I can't. I can't afford, I'm sorry, I have no money. And I was like, what? I was like, I have nothing. <laughs> and, I was, and he was like, oh, okay. And he's like, sorry, dude. And I was like, I'll, I'll work for free. He's like, what? what? I'll work for free. And he was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's just sitting there at his desk. You know, he just pulled a two day, like all night, all day. He just pulled two full straight days. He's exhausted. There's a, a bottle of dark rum on his desk. Like he was just pulling all nighters. He was exhausted. He didn't know what to do. And he just looked at me. He's like, what? What, 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 what did you say? And he's like, I'll work for free. He goes, I'll prove to you for 30 days while you need me. And at the end of the 30 days, if I'm not good enough, you can tell me to just piss off. And that's okay. <laughs> and he was just like, wow. I don't have a computer. He's like, that's okay. I brought my own. And he's like, I don't have a desk. And he's like, that's okay. I can go to Walmart and I can go buy one and assemble it here. And he's like, holy shit, dude, you want this? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. And uh, he's like, fine, whatever, dude, whatever. I don't care. 30 days. Yeah, 30 days. You get 30 days. 
And uh, so I went, went off to Walmart and built a desk, had brought my computer in from my girlfriend's house and worked 30 days. And uh, I also, to be able to help support myself and what if this didn't work out after 30 days, I got a job at a call center and I got a job at a grocery store pushing grocery carts. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So I did, I worked about 20, 22 hours a day and like I'd still do my eight hours a day from 9am to 5pm. And then I would do whatever shifts I had to do, like all nighter. I had to do pull all nighters or whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So I guess how I got into motion design to get like, so that's how I got my foot in the door for animation, but I didn't do animation per se at the time. This is back 2003, 2004 almost. And, uh, I just didn't do animation. I wasn't very familiar. I went to college for game design. I was a 3d modeler. That's, that was the, I guess the major I took was to learn how to do things in 3d. So I was kind of the odd jobs, man. So I could do graphic design and I could do 3d. And so I could just do pretty much anything that they needed. I dabbled a little bit in After Effects. I almost failed my After Effects class in college. And uh, that was with Terry Gatson. He's, he's probably one of the biggest national treasures in Canada. Like Canada. He's an incredible, like just an incredible instructor, but also an incredible uh, talent. Just amazing. He was composer, editor, filmmaker, just everything. Just incredible. And I almost failed his class in After Effects. So I could do pretty much jack of all trades, anything. And uh, that's where I, I guess, I guess that's where I started. And um, so I did that for about three, four months and I was doing okay. Still wasn't sure that I had this job. Like after the 30 days, obviously he gave me the job, but uh, I didn't know if I had it secure and it didn't feel like it. I wasn't really well liked by the other creatives. There was five of us, like five total of the studio that we started. I wasn't really well liked because I was the guy that didn't, didn't go to the animation college like the rest of them. And oh, they just kind of, they kind of like didn't really approve of me. And that's okay. And that's why I was just like, okay, well, shit. So <laughs> I just hustled. I would show up and I'd work hard. And then I quit my job at the call center. I quit my job at the grocery store. And six months comes in and I'm like, I got this job. This is mine. I've earned it. It's, this is mine. And he, uh, he came in, he's like, hey, dude, you got a second? We need to have a quick chat. I'm like, okay, cool. What's up? And uh, he took me aside and he's like, I'm sorry, dude, but I got to let you go. I was like, what? Ouch. And he started, he started crying and I started crying and we we're holding each other like, oh my God, what? And he's like, sorry, dude. Like, I just, I can't, I need to be able to use some of the grants that we were getting for you to be able to hire somebody else from the animation studio because we need more animators. Like we were getting more and more animation work and we need animators. And I just like, I looked at him, I was like, I can animate. He's like, what? It's like, I can animate. He's like, no, you can't, dude. You've never animated anything. Don't be silly. It's like, I can animate for real. He's like, all right, whatever, dude. Here, I'll give you a, a flash animation scene. At the time, we were doing this this TV show called Odd Job Jack. And uh, he's like, I'll give you the scene. If you can animate it, you can have your job. You know, like, we'll see how that works out. I was like, okay, cool. This was like a Friday afternoon. It's like, I can do this. I can do this. Okay, okay, cool. Do you mind if I have the rest of the day off? And he's like, yeah, it's totally cool. And he's like, I'm okay, cool. So I ran up to the college animation college, went into the, the college library, well, the college store, and I bought all of the books that the animators needed for their whole two-year course. Well, I think it was a three-year course at the time. And I bought all the books I could, everything. And wow. I went, like I went to, and I talked to all the teachers. They told me what books to buy. I got everything. So I spent my entire, everything I had in my bank account, my next month's rent, all my groceries, everything gone. And uh, I just sat there and I just poured over these books. I poured over these books for a day in and day, like for a Friday, Friday night, Friday morning. I slept in the afternoon for a couple hours, woke up, did it again. And I was animating at the same time, reading, animating, learning about walk cycles, about timing, you know, frames, and how to be able to interpolate them, easing, everything. And uh, so f come Monday morning when it came time, I had like a, a little USB stick and uh, I walked, it was like a two gig USB stick at the time. And I walked in I, and I handed in, he's like, and I was like, here's the scene. Here's the scene. Like, and he's like, how did you make out? And he's like, here's the scene, dude. And I was just like stuttering, tired, over, over exhausted. And he was just like, cool, cool. All right, well, let's, let's have a look. And he popped it in and I'm sitting there and I'm about to puke because I don't know what to do with myself. And I don't know what he's going to think of my shot. And he opens it up and he's like, holy shit. He's like scrubbing it back and forth. This is back in Flash version six. No, it's Flash five. And uh, he's scrubbing. He's like, this is fucking good, dude. I'm sorry. And I was like, what? He's like, this is good. I'm like, wow. This is, 
wow, this is a good walk cycle too. You've never animated before. And I was like, no, never. He's like, never, 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 no. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Well, congratulations. You have your job again. Wow. And, I was like, and I was like, what? And I was like, he's like, you're a pretty good animator. Like this is, this is like at least somebody who's graduated from animation and so on. It's like, this is tops, dude. And I was like, shit, really? He's like, hells yes, buddy. Congratulations. <laughs> So yeah, so it's pretty sweet, man. What a I story. became uh, an animator for I was an animator on that show for about six months, and then after that, he asked me to kind of become. And then at the same time, I was dabbling in After Effects because I was doing a lot of edit editing, but also kind of like trying to mix things. And we're at the time, the East Coast was a really, really, really hot space for Canadian animation. We had DHX, we had Kaleidoscope, we had oh geez we had like conrad we had fat cat we had all the oh copernicus like east coast was the hotbed for for 2d animation talent at the time just because the grants were just incredible like the, all the tax savings for businesses so um yeah so we were just inundated and i was doing work all the time i was training and doing stuff and after effects and learning and at the same time like i was trying to replicate i remember when particular was first announced and i remember watching peter like his little demos and i was like oh my god that's the perfect effect i don't even know how you would do that in animation so i i faked that for a pepsi commercial like a fake particular look and flash for these sparkles that was years ago and i just remember seeing that and i was like just blown away and so I was like, I have to learn After Effects to be able to learn this. And I remember at the time we had a copy of After Effects, like a studio license. We had like a CS5 version and not CS5, version five. We had a version five of After Effects. I started learn, learning After Effects in version three, 3.5. And I remember just like looking at particular, looking at 3D shine, like all the stuff that Trap Code was doing at the time. I was just like, what is this magic? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nuts. Yeah, so, it yeah, sounds so, like... Sounds like you went through a lot of hard knocks, man. Oh, dude, it was definitely the school of hard knocks. And like, like you know, honestly, it's not a negative. I'm not trying to say uh, sorry, sad, sad me. It's it's more the facts. Like, hey, that's my journey. That's that's what happened to me. And maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew. But the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, right? Hmm. It's true for for me, for example, as well. Like, if I'm totally honest, it was very similar. It's just, it's just saying yes to something. You only know 50% and you just kind of like, well, I hope I figure it out and just staying up all night, losing the sleep, you know, losing time from with friends and family, studying the stuff that you need to know. I mean, opportunities sometimes come when you're not ready and you have to be ready. And so for you, sounds like you had a weekend to get ready for your first break, right? And then you sacrificed everything, your money, your rent money, everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you've been able to do and in pain, it's amazing. When your back is against the wall, you come up with beauties, right? That's just it. And, I, and most people try it. to avoid the pain. Most people try to run away from that, but that's, that's so healthy. Yeah. Would you agree with I, that? I, I totally. And that's the thing is like, I, I having this conversation with a friend the other day. It's just like it, the thing that it taught me about like eating out of garbage bins and like craving for the day when I could afford a Tim Hortons hmm. coffee or just a coffee <laughs> from McDonald's. I just could not wait for a coffee. To be able to afford a coffee is like the greatest luxury that I could think you could ever imagine having. Like to me, coffee is, is happiness. But um, that's the thing is like it started that fire inside of me and I don't know how to turn it off anymore is the fact that it's lit a fire of, you know, you do. You get up in the morning and you push the needle just ever so slightly every day, one step in front of the other always make progress and that's the thing is that's the progress like it just lit that fire inside of me and forced me and said hey you need to wake up and you need to do you can't sit and wait for the opportunities to come to you and you know i've i've had people that tell, tell that like my friends all the time tell me it's like just just relinquish just relax just let it happen and it's and i'll be honest i can't like for me i cannot just let the world happen I have to constantly push and I have to constantly learn and grow and try to be more. No, I, that's when I get depressed when I'm not doing anything, when I don't have anything to show for, with no accomplishments. I think progress equals happiness. When you see yourself growing that 1% every single day, that's when life is worth. And it's not just in, in career, it's across the board. It's in your family life, friendships, you know, becoming a better writer, reader, you know, learner. Uh, it's just across the board. And I, I'm learning now because I'm kind of like you in a way. I've always, you know, I moved to this country when I was 12 years old, didn't speak the language. And me, me and Sergey quit our full-time jobs to do Ukraine media full-time, you know? So there's, our backs are always against the wall, just always learning new things. But 
at the same time, I'm having a hard time unplugging from it all, you know, especially now I'm a family man. I have two kids. Do you have any tricks, tips, tactics? How how do you unplug from the world? I don't. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) no, um, I try to. I've been trying to do a lot better for the last year and a half now. I I went through a pretty bad breakup. And at the time, I'm, I'm very much a workaholic. I grew up around two workaholics, both my mom and my dad. And it's just because like, you know, I didn't come from the best, like the most affluent of homes. Like my mom was a single mom when she had me, she was 17. Um, So she, my, my grandparents that pretty much predominantly raised me were on social assistance. So as my, my great grandparents also helped me, helped raise me. Like I was constantly going between my grandparent, my grandmother and my grandparent, my great grandparents, my great, my grandparents, excuse me, constantly. And uh, I barely saw my mom growing up because she was trying to get us out of being so like being on social assistance. So she wanted to be proud. Or she wanted to be put me into a home that I could be proud of, I guess, but more so that she was sustaining us. Like the, I was a choice that she committed to and she wants to own that choice. And that choice made me and I want, and that's part of my impetus. That's part of my reason why I work so hard and why I really don't disconnect that often is because my parents a couple of years ago hit some really hard financial times and I just moved back from England and I needed some emotional help from them. I was really broken at the time and I just put the pedal to the metal. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to sp- I'm going to support them. I'm going to sponsor them. I'm going to do whatever I can to be able to help them get back that's on their feet. So that's, great. that's what I've been doing for the last probably three, four, like pro- last three, four years since I moved back from England. I've been in Canada. I miss England every day. Um, Where did you live in England? I lived in Brixton, Brixton in Surrey, a place called Woking for a while. And then Brixton. How long did you live London there? For about two and a half, three years. Oh, wow. I'm curious. How did you end up there? Uh, funny story. So I was in at NAB one year and I, uh, I was talking about, uh, I was talking about After Effects with somebody behind the... I guess behind a, the stage because we were just talking about it with a bunch of other people and this guy walks up to me and I was talking about After Effects and talking about whiskey and let's, let's go for a whiskey and this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, I know about whiskey and I was like, you do? And he had an English accent and I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I'm from England, of course I know about whiskey. And his name was Ben King. He's a fantastic editor for, well, he's a freelance editor but does a lot of editing for BBC and he was like, oh yeah, let's come on, let's have, go have a drink. And uh, so I followed him. We had a couple of drinks. And over the years, we just became really good friends. Like we just call each other every so often and just bitch about life, bitch about clients, bitch about work. <laughs> but we always have each other's back and we just help each other if we ever had questions, whatever. And one day he messaged me on Facebook and said, like, hey, mate, you need to talk to this girl. And I was like, what? He's like, I have this runner. She is fantastic. You need to talk to her. And I was like, why? He's like, she loves beards. She loves Canadians. And you have both of those things. (laughs) And I was like, awesome. Okay, cool. That's not weird. So I reached out. I was like, hey, so Ben told me I should talk to you. And we started talking and it was an instant connection. We just instantly connected. It was like Lego blocks. And uh, it was awesome. And so after the first week of talking, I didn't tell her at the time, but I went out and I bought a, uh, a plane ticket. And I was going to go, go fly over to have a proper date. And yeah, so, wow. yeah, so that's what I, uh, I was going to do. Yeah. So I went over to be able to have a date and I sent, I like rented an Airbnb for like three months and I was going to like, just go on kind of vacation slash workation slash go around England to be able to get my, my name around and go to studios that I really admired and meet some of the people that I thought were the shit. And so I was like, screw it, let's go. Let's make like, let's make opportunities happen. So I packed up my life, went to England for three months and we went on a date. It sucked. Uh, But then we kind of made it work. And then we ended up staying together. I stayed in England for six months at that time. And then I came back to Canada to get my visa sorted because I'm 50% British myself. And I went back and uh, yeah, I went back and uh, we started dating. We had uh, an apartment. Well, we started at her parents' place and then we got an apartment and uh, that was us. Wow, man, you're a risk taker. It's crazy that you're just one day decided to just buy a t- air, you know airline yeah. ticket to England, and I mean, most people would not do that. So I guess that's I guess uh, it is a secret to your success in a way that yes. you didn't really that's let the, anything stop you. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like when I was like 22, I um, his name is Yezre Jorosta Junior or Mal Tannen, as most people know him. 
Uh, anyways, he used to have, like he still does, but it's an After Effects site that he used to curate and they used to have tutorials way before Andrew Kramer. And his tutorials were like, oh my God, this is mind-mentally good. Like, this is incredible stuff. And um, so I contacted him. He used to have like a hotline that you could call him for $50 US an hour on Skype. I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I don't care how much it's going to cost. So I called him. I was like, look, I don't have a problem. I don't have a question. I kind of do have a question. What will it take to learn from you? And he was like, what? And I was like, uh, you are incredible. I need to know your secrets. And he's just <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, what do you, and I'm like, I don't care. You don't have to say anything right now. I will pay you whatever you want. I need to learn from you. <laughs> and um, so over the course of three months, we became really good friends. And kind of three months, kind of like, I guess, my, my safety buffer, but to get to know somebody anyways. And so we got to know each other. We ended up singing Tenacious D with each other on Skype late nights. And uh, we just became really good friends. And uh, one day I was like, what are you doing this weekend? He's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe go see a movie. And I was like, how about you on, su- on Sunday, you pick me up at the airport? He was like, what? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's hang out. <laughs> He's like, are you joking? And I'm like, like, nope. He's like, do you have like a hotel? Do you have anything set up? And I'm like, nope. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just going to come over to be able to meet you. And we're going to hang out and we're going to talk after effects and be friends. And he's like, holy shit and so yeah so i went to poland to be able to meet yesre and that was that that's so crazy who does that right yeah wow. and that's like i kind of got the nickname for a little while uh from him, uh, from yesre and john dickinson uh, the crazy canuck because i just get up and go and do these crazy things well and that's why you are where you are today i think because you are crazy but in a good way <laughs> i i tell myself i tell myself that all the time <laughs> <laughs> now let's transition to a dark moment in your life, man. I, w- yeah. I want you to tell us, I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey, man. Take it away. Yeah. So I guess it was like when I started eating out of, out of garbage bins, I, I, I lost my job. I didn't have anything for about two years. I was doing church sermon openers to be able to get my rent paid for. I had a, a good friend that used to give me church sermon openers that I'd do for churches pretty much all around Ontario. Oh. And I'd only get maybe 400, maybe $500 max per per month. And that was my rent. My, my rent was $400. And so I only had enough money to be able to like just make it by. And if I had like, you know, extra $30, I had $30 for groceries. If I had an extra $100, I had $100. I couldn't afford gas. So I couldn't come back home. And I couldn't come back home again. Like I, I didn't want to look like a failure because I have a sister that's 14 and a half years younger than me. And I didn't want her to see her brother move home again because he failed. And I was like, no, this is, I have to make this work. I got a job at uh, the mall to be able to help. Like at that time, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I need to get something else. I need to get another job. So I got a job at GNC selling nutrition supplements because I'm, I guess I was into fitness. I still am. I, uh, fitness is a big part of who I am. But, uh, so I got a job at GNC and, uh, I was making just enough at the time, but GNC came like a year and a half later. I kept on being stubborn, trying to make motion graphics work and I couldn't, nothing was working. So I used to hang out at, at just outside of Tim Hortons and find out their schedule when they threw out like the muffins and the bagels from the next day. So I would wait for the garbage to be tossed out every day to be able to wow. get my, my, uh, my daily bread essentially. And uh, yeah, that uh, that's what I did. I ended up having to do that because I had nothing else. And like for me at the time, grapes, like, you know, grapes when they were on sale, that was, oh man, I can't tell you how happy that made me. Like, oh, when I had a grape, I could not wait to be able to just savor that grape. And like, even if they were starting to get bad, I would still keep them and still have them because there's nothing better. Hmm. You know, it's interesting, even though it sounds like such a tough journey, but I'm, but I don't know, because I grew up kind of similar. I grew up, come from a family of nine persecuted. We lived in Kiev, Ukraine. I mean, mm. we grew up in rice and potatoes. I always say that yeah. we were vegetarians before we knew that was a thing, right? We had to share a <laughs> toothbrush. We had to take turns to go outside to play because we only had so many pairs of shoes. I mean, tiny three-bedroom apartment, 11 people. I yeah. Just a terrible situation. But in that pain, dude, just growing up in that, there's this beauty that people will not experience, those that never went through anything like that they don't know what they're missing there's this different perspective that it's kind of like the closest thing that i can describe is try to fast for two three days yeah eat anything and you'll feel that you feel that humility i don't know there's something about that i can't describe in words but would you agree with that Oh, could not agree more. And it's it's the humility. It's understanding. It's the human essence. Like you get to you get very in touch with your needs just as a sentient being. Like just you know biologically that you you get hungry. You get 
those urges to push you get those those things that like you know the fight or flight sequence of that you have to make something happen from nothing and yes. even in the modern you know even the modern world where we have all these amazing things around us and we have all these you know opportunities and you know like candy bars at a grocery store down the street it doesn't matter like those things like if you can't afford it you can't afford it but you still have that basic biologic need to be able to consume and eat and and have shelter and take care of yourself and take care of those around you and those things light up inside of you and you can't compare that to anything else those that's a real motivator that's a real impetus to be able to get up and go you know, it's interesting when, when you have, when your stomach is full and when you have all your needs are provided, that's like the worst place to be because um, that hunger goes away. A lot of artists struggle once they're, you know, get to a certain level of success. I know a lot of soccer players or cl- clubs overseas deal with that because all these soccer players get paid a lot and that hunger goes away and they're not, not longer, no longer performing well. And there's, there's something to that when you're just you know, when you have that hunger, it drives you to create better work. It drives you to become I, I a better person. I completely agree. And I think it's like the better work. I mean, that's the thing is like the work, yes. But the thing is also with the work, it's like, you know, it's it's part of that process. Like you, the final product isn't the body of work that like it, the final piece isn't where you just like, all right, there it is. You know, you don't look at a final piece and be like, yep, that was a great piece of art. It's the process behind that. What made you get up and go and make that piece or make that decision? Or why did you do that edit or that transition this way? And that's the thing is like that process, that that breadth of how the, the individual journey of the artist, is that's so moving for me. No, and it's so hard to, when you're in a moment, when you're in a moment of that pain and suffering, like right now, me and Sergey both quit our jobs and we're trying to figure things out. It's hard to enjoy it now, but then years later, you know, looking back at all the hardships we went through, it's like, man, we, I need to learn to enjoy this journey, not wait till like, oh, I can't wait to be at this level. Enjoy right now because, you know, growth happens when you're outside your comfort zone. That's when growth happens. Like this is, this is the moment. This is the now. And if you don't enjoy it, then you'll be looking back and regret. I love that during the times, I remember we had to get a, my dad brought us a, a little chocolate bar and 11 of us, I mean, it was like a little small, tiny thing. And dad cut it in 11 pieces and we're all sitting there eating. Like it's literally, it's like a penny. Like it's a small, a tiny thing. Right. And we're all eating there. And I remember, I'll never forget that moment. We were all together and we're looking at each other and we're all just kind of like this humility that comes over you. There's this closeness that, I don't know, even though we didn't have anything, but we had everything. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, it but totally does, in, dude. In that moment, I learned so much. And now moving you know, from third world country to first world country, it's like people have bigger homes, more space, but the relationships, like more space to hide. You know? Totally. And, Could not and depression more. comes. And that's, uh, anyway. That's that's it. A, totally. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, so a lot of times people think that money and all that successful brings happiness, but really it's not all that. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's all about, like you said, helping other people. It's living for others, dying to self. It's like a seed. You know what happens to a seed? First, it has to die to self. It has to go in the ground and then mm. it can produce a big tree that produces a lot of fruit. That's so and beautiful. So, yeah. And that's, we are that seed. You know, that's what I learned being a father. You know, I have two kids, two and a half and a five and a half year old. That's what I learned that when you die to self, to your own desires, your own needs, and you start serving others, that's when life starts, man. That's when you learn more about yourself, that the the heart of the father, you truly know, understand what it is like to live for. Anyway, I I can really get, get carried away with this, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, beauty and pain that most people try to run away from. And I think it's the opposite. You should run or not run to it, but you should <laughs> learn from it. You know, yeah, I totally, I think it's good. good in it. Exactly. It's finding the good in it and finding the reflection points. And that's the thing is like, I wrote that article this, this past summer. It took me about three, four months to put together. And it's not, it's not a personal attack to Joey. It's not a personal attack right, to right. school motion or any other online education, like MoGraph mentor or anything out there. It's the thing is like, don't think that, that, you know, having that badge of honor is, is going to be your everything. You know, part of your journey is failing. Part of your journey is those things. Part of your journey is, is that reflection time to be able to understand what you've gone through and what you're going through and having somewhere, a point on the horizon that you can point to and say, that's where I want to go. And knowing that inside yourself, that you're going to do what it takes to go there. What is it going to take to go all the way? What's going to make you push and grow and gravitate and mature 
and nurture that journey. Mm. No, that was a great article. I enjoyed it. I've read it uh, again this morning just to kind of remind myself. It was well written. I loved your points, the, the things you've made. And I think uh, I didn't I didn't read it as, you know, I didn't think you were taking a swipe on anybody. It just you shared your journey, but in, from different perspective, you know. But let's totally. transition to something. Let's transition to something positive, man. Let's talk about totally. your best project or I guess best moment in your creative journey. I think that's right now. Um, so I'm <laughs> Good. building, yeah, I think that I'm, I have to say probably the last two months, well, it's been about a, a two year journey, two, three year journey, but this is kind of the precipice of, of that, the epitome. I'm at the zenith of my journey with uh, creating my studio, Yellow Lab right now, and it's being named after my dog, Oliver. He's <laughs> a Yellow cool. Lab. And I always tell people animation is like, uh, you know, it's almost like alchemy. You're taking art and science and you're mixing it all together and you're in a laboratory. Like that's what you are. You show up and you you test and you grow and you mature and you push like calculus like with IK and FK rigs and you're you're creating art. That to me is a laboratory. And so that's what I'm doing right now is Yellow Lab and I'm putting all my energy towards that. The website's nearly done. The demo reel just finished. And, you know, like we're doing a short film right now for the Animotion uh, Brazilian Animation Festival. And we're doing like a, the opening video for it. And it's being all shot live action. We're, we're, we have the best talent, the best everything. And it's all coming from everything I've worked so hard to be able to build for myself. And that's the thing is I, all my, I'm spending all my savings on it because this is, it's not like a big gamble. It's just because this is everything that I am. And that's all of me. Like I, I'm a hundred percent or nothing. And that's me. And that's the thing is I cannot wait to be able to like, just release this into, I guess, into the public and make it just readily digestible, make it, make it something, make a splash, but make it, uh, have purpose, you know, just to be able to see the feeling and, and the life and the people behind the work. That's just, I cannot wait to share Awesome. And when you do that, let me know. Uh, you oh, know, 100%. Feel free to share the link. I will definitely send an e-blast to everybody on our list. Oh, that's super, do that. super grateful. Thank you. Now, in closing, share, I guess, you know, we have a lot of college students listening to this podcast. Now, what advice would you give to a college student, maybe even a high school student that is considering getting in the industry? Like, what should they be working on? Honestly, what that's a really good question. What should they be working on? Honestly, the biggest thing, and I keep going back to it, uh, there's a Henrik Barone course for like flash kind of principles and fundamentals, like how to be able to animate traditionally. That's a fantastic place if you want to get into animation, to be able to get a really good sense of what it takes. Because it's not about the individuals or it's not about the schooling. It's about, you know, it's the fundamentals. And the thing is, if you want to get really good at something, you got to get good at the simple things. And, you know, my I used to, uh, my stepfather, my, my father, He's an incredible human being. He, he, like I used to play basketball when I was a kid and he used to make me do dribbling practice every day. Every day I had to do dribbling practice. And it's not because I, I couldn't do three point sh sh shots. It was because I had to practice the fundamentals. I had to learn how to do one of the simplest things over and over and over again. And that's the thing is like when you're young, it sounds horrible. It sounds boring, but practice the simple things practice over and over and over again and if that means like you know like that's what college and university or even online education schools are great for online schools are kind of more poignant because it's like you're honed into a particular career career path that you know what you want to take but when you're going to college and you're getting or university you get kind of a, like a you know a smorgasbord of opportunity like there's just like take a little graphic design take a little bit of math take a little bit of this and that and you get to find yourself. And I think that's the healthiest approach is that you get to go to these post-secondary education systems and you get to find yourself like, what do you like? What is it that you find resonates with you the most? And that's the thing is like, find the thing that you like and then build on top of that. And that's the thing is like, the best way to build on top of that is finding the fundamental of that. So if you want to learn how to do amazing particle systems, Go find something like a tutorial or, you know, a course or something that helps you learn about particle systems, the math behind it, because that's going to be able to help you create your own kind of calculations in your own systems to be able to build a particle system. Or let's say if you want to get really good at modeling, you get to learn about, you know, basic geometric flow, like, you know, like polygonal flow. You get to learn about quads and, and tries and n-gons and why do you use each one 
like learn the fundamentals. Why are those things the most important to build? You know, I always tell people like, look at um, when you buy a Lego set, you don't start on page 54 of 55. You start on page one with a two piece bit of Lego. You have to start at the smallest part to build up. So I would say is try to go practice the fundamentals, go learn, go see the world around you because if you're not able to like kind of connect with the world around you or see the world around you, you're not going to be able to draw inspiration to be able to breathe new life into the, your creations, into the artwork that you build. And you have to be able to connect to be able to recreate. You know, um, Brad Bird has a great quote that says, animation is the illusion of life. And if you don't have one, you can't do it. And that's the <laughs> thing is you have to take away and have to experience. And like, that's why I'm such a big risk taker is because I want to go experience life at its craziest at the point where I'm, t- I'm, I'm testing myself, my willpower, my fortitude to see how far I can go. But also the fact that I can be able to breathe that back into my creations. And maybe it's, it's felt, maybe it's seen, maybe I don't know. But at the end of the day, I know that I, I've lived a good life and I produce good work that is meaningful because I have those relationships that allow me to be able to create that life. Well said, man. And last question, how can people get in touch with you? You can email me at aembry at gmail.com, Twitter at just aembry, Instagram, aembry. You can find me on any media platform with just my name, aembry. So A-E-M-B-U-R-Y. All right, Andrew. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrew Embry. Andrew, thank you again for your time. Make sure to visit Andrew's website. It's aembury.com. Again, it's aembury.com. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 46. And definitely check out our brand new course, How to Animate Logos and Icons in After Effects. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash all dash courses. Again, it's euchromedia.com slash all dash courses. Also, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ecremedia Media Podcast. Bye-bye.